folks who are here. I pray that you would touch their hearts and create fertile ground and help them to help them to hear um, the gospel, help them to hear your message, help them to know you more through this time. Uh, in Christ's name, Amen. So um, I'm going to start in an odd spot, um, but actually the timing was was about perfect. Um, so so um, heads up, I know where I'm going. I'm not I'm not just twiddling my thumbs. Um, I actually figured I'd start by picking on Mark, um, who, who will be married in like a month. Is that? <laughs> um, I, uh, I, and she, Sam's not up here, and she is so fun to pick on. But, but I, uh, I, I got married uh, 18 years ago, 17. It was a while ago. Uh, 17 years ago, and and I had a very uh, had a very sideways perspective on what marriage would be, and I was very surprised at at how it turned out. Um, I I expected uh, I expected more authority in my home. I <laughs> I expected sandwiches brought. Um, I expected breakfast in bed. I expected um, I expected to say, and everybody would hear and obey. You know, like like the the authority of the man in the home. That's what I that's what I thought. You know, and and I uh, last <laughs> and I I was blessed with something better. Um, I I uh, I so I, I say to you, Mark, if you if you're expecting to to uh, show up at home the day after your wedding and and uh, um, you know you'll say jump and she'll say how high and. Would you like mustard on that sandwich? It's it's not going to happen. Um, and and she owns more guns than you do. <laughs> no, because if that's what we got, it would not be worth it. It would not be. Um, and we see this in the message this week, and we see it in Christ's example. Um, and actually, what we're going to be talking about today, it's Palm Sunday. And unfortunately, well, no, fortunately, what we're doing is we're going verse by verse through the text, right? And so there was no way to make Palm Sunday and um, Easter happen on the same Sunday, unless the sermon was like three hours or five hours long. Um, and, and I am interesting, so I'm sure everybody would have enjoyed that, but m- most of you would leave. Um, so, um, we're, we're not going to talk about Palm Sunday, the passages, but like, check this out when Palm Sunday happened, um, at the beginning of the week, um, right at the beginning of what's called the book of glory in the book of John, right? This John talks about, um, the arrest and the crucifixion and all of that as Jesus's glory, right? And in fact, actually, when he talks about the crucifixion, John doesn't call it the crucifixion. He calls it the lifting up, right? Because, I mean, when you think about being lifted up, you're not thinking, I mean, that's a good thing, right? When Abby was born, um, Jess had gotten up and left the room, and I was in the hospital room, and I did the the Lion King, hold the baby up. And she actually walked in on me. It was really embarrassing because I... Um, but you lift up things that are great, right? Like, you don't lift up. I mean, you lift things up as a, you know... Um, um, I mean, it's a positive. And so when John talks about, like, the crucifixion, he says, you know, the Son of Man will be lifted up. He's talking about, like, everything in terms of glory. He's talking about everything in terms of, like, recognizing Jesus' greatness and his authority and his, his presence. But what we get, right, 
what we get isn't what we expect. And on Palm Sunday, there's like this great example. It's where Jesus shows up and the people gather and they're like, hey, he raised a man from the dead and we've heard all about him. He is going to lead a revolution because he's a king and we're going to like finally beat the bad guys and the world will be perfect. And he rides in on a donkey instead of a war horse, right? And he, he continuously refuses to fit into their, their idea of what he's supposed to be. And even at the Last Supper, so this would be Thursday night, um, right before he's arrested, he strips down into a slave's outfit and he washes the disciples' feet. Like he takes the lowest, most humiliating job in the house and does it, right? And he says, listen, this is, this is what the kingdom of heaven is about. You know, you need to do this for each other. You need to like serve each other because this is how I love you, right? And what we find in in jesus and what he gives us this example this like like perfect version of what like god desires of us it's not like a king who stands on a throne and has a scraping and you know and and bowing and everything else it's a servant right um and so as we come into this like this passage this week we're going to look at the trial before Pilate, and the whole section is this discussion of kingship and, you know, are you a king or aren't you? And they go back and forth and, and like, there's all kinds of authority being tossed around here. Nobody's taking each other, like, with respect. And, and ultimately what we see is we see Jesus in all his glory acting like a king, right? Acting like God's king of this world. And, and so we get a different perspective. And, Mark, I'm sorry, like, our calling as men, right, is to emulate Jesus in our marriage. And so we have to, like, serve so you get sandwiches. <laughs> Which, by the way, I like ham and Swiss. If you, no. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. He has more guns than I do. John 18:28. When they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. Now, check this out. This is like probably 5.36 a.m., right? Because he had had his trial at um, Annas' house, and Annas got frustrated with him and kicked him out. And there's this whole section of the trial you don't hear about, which happens at Caiaphas' house. Um, and, and um, like, they, they decide that Jesus is guilty on their own. Like, it's an illegal trial that happens, you know, at this point very early in the morning. Um, but they, they try him, they declare him guilty, and they send him in to be tried by the governor because at the time the Jews were under Roman occupation, right? Like Rome had taken him over and they were running the show, and Rome had very specific rules about things like, you know, we control executions. You guys can't kill each other. We decide who gets killed, right? And um, the only way you could, by the way, the only way the Jews were allowed to execute someone is for desecration of the temple, and that was the rule everywhere in Rome, right? Like if you could prove somebody desecrated the temple or catch them in the act of desecrating the temple, anywhere in Rome, you could just be killed on the spot, right? And that's why when you look at the trial, like of Jesus and the other gospels where at Caiaphas' house, Caiaphas works really hard to talk about the temple, trying to get Jesus to admit that he was going to destroy the temple or whatever. Like he tries to get him to speak against the temple so they'd have an excuse to kill him. You know, and, and they're, they're trying to not, like, like, lose their power in Rome. But, but they're, like, they're walking a fine line. They're trying to do whatever they want. Um, and so they, they take him to the governor, and they have to have a good reason for the Romans to kill him. It was very early in the morning, probably 6 a.m., which is about the time they guessed that Romans would typically start their um, court. Uh, they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. Now, this is kind of funny. 
They're taking Jesus, the Son of God. They've illegally tried him. They've beat him up. They've spit on him. The high priest tears his robes, which the Old Testament says is a big no-no, right? Like it's a huge no-no. They've done everything in the world to make themselves unclean spiritually, but they show up at court and they're like, hey, come out here and get this guy and kill him for us. We can't go in there. It'll make us wrong before God. Like it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Don't you think? Um, and so they're there. They say, well, we can't go in there, but like, come on, do this for us. So they're not a part of this trial as it takes place. Um, this is uh, John 18, 29, and I think it's to 32. I'm sorry, I forgot to fill in the second half of the slide. Uh, so Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? So Pilate comes out and he has the court outside. He says, well, what are you guys accusing him of? They answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. So that's a bad sign. When you call the cops and the cops show up and they say, what's he doing? Well, he's doing bad stuff or we wouldn't have called. They got nothing. Everybody got that? Like they have nothing that they, and they know they've got nothing, but they know they want him dead, right? And so the trial is clearly ginned up. Jesus is obviously not guilty of anything and they know it, but they're doing the best with what they've got. Pilate said to them, take him yourself and judge him by your own laws. Now, Pilate, there's this tendency in modern writing and preaching and stuff to make Pilate sound really good. Every historical source we have about Pilate is like tells us that he was not a very nice guy. He was kind of like lower bureaucracy and like like he was brutal and he was really petty and he was kind of selfish. And like what we know about him isn't positive. Okay, and so Pilate finding himself in a position of authority in relation to these Jewish leaders, enjoys the opportunity to mess with them, right? You guys ever meet someone like that who messes with you just because they have the power to do so? Like, that's him. Um, And so Pilate, well, deal with him yourself. I don't want to deal with him. Deal with him according to your laws. And the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. But, so, you're right, Don? Um, He said, well, listen, we can't try him because we can't kill him, and we want him dead. Um, And Pilate responded, or this this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus said specifically, repeatedly, that he would be lifted up, right? Jesus predicts this crucifixion thing. If the Jews had killed him, right, if they had proven him like desecrating the temple, they would have stoned him. They would have dragged him out and beaten him with rocks until he died. Um, but the Romans were a little nastier. Um, so they, they, um, they basically said, well, we can't do this. Um, Jesus had known this was coming. He goes into this fully aware. So Pilate went outside to them and said, oh, I'm sorry, I doubled that passage. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, can somebody hand me a Bible? I think I skipped a verse here. I might have, maybe not. Um, So Pilate entered the headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it uh, to you about me? So Jesus approaches him and says, Listen, are you claiming you're a king? Are you the king of the Jews? Because if you came along and said that you were a king, right, if you claimed to be a king, it would be, challenging Roman authority, and they would execute you for that. Like, that was something they could genuinely kill you for. And so Pilate goes to him and says, well, listen, you know, 
what's the story here? Are you claiming, are you the king of the Jews? Like, you know, tell me one way or the other so I can figure this out. He shortcuts the trial. And Jesus says, wait a minute. Is that you asking or did they tell you to ask that? Right? So Jesus is going to his death willingly, but he's not going to his death stupid. Make sense? He tosses it back at him. Well, is that you or is that them? Um, and Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your nation and the, priests, and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? So Pilate responds very sarcastically, what, am I a Jew? What do I care, right? I don't, you know, I don't care about you people. I don't care about your problems. You know, I have no issue with this. Am I a Jew? Did you do anything wrong? Like, should I be killing you or not, Right? Pilate is marginally invested in this. He, um, he asked, what have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Um, and so Jesus responds, listen, if I were a king like you, there would have been a fight. Right. And no doubt Pilate's got spies everywhere. Right. We know Pilate sent soldiers with to arrest Jesus. So Pilate like had a hand in that. And Pilate probably knows that. What did Peter do? Cut off one of the guy's ears. Right. And what did Jesus say? He said, cut it out. You know, I'm not here to die this way. He picks up the ear and puts it back on the guy. Um, and Pilate almost certainly heard about that as well. And so Jesus's response like puts that off. He says, listen, if I were a king in this world, like, there'd be a fight. They wouldn't have just let me be arrested. We would be, there'd be a battle going on. He, he basically backs up and he says, look, your politics, we're not, I'm not playing in your politics, right? Which is sort of a mirror of what Pilate just said. Pilate said, hey, am I a Jew? What do I care? And Jesus says, hey, am I a politician? What do I care? You know, because if he was a politician, there would have been, you know, there would have been his supporters. There would have been rallying and there would have been fighting and there would have been, you know, um, bombast and everything else. Um, but Jesus says, listen, my kingdom is not of this world. Um, it's a key line there, right? Because it's very easy to perceive this world is all there is, right? It's very easy to perceive um, um, our authority, our power, the respect we receive, the things we gather, everything in this world as it. And it's not it, right? Ultimately, Jesus kind of backs up and points to a different reality. He says, listen, my kingdom, it's not of this world. I'm elsewhere. I'm worried about something bigger than what you people are doing. Now, Pilate, Pilate's a politician, and he's a man with a fair amount of power, right? And he's a man who spends a lot of time holding on to his power. The priests who turned him over are people who had bought their position and passed it around amongst their family, ignoring God's laws about the priesthood, right? And they're killing Jesus to preserve their power. And so everybody around Jesus at this point is playing out their end for what they want, right? And Jesus, flat out at this point, says, I'm not a part of that. I'm not playing your game. I'm, I'm not interested in that kind of, like, like, admiration. I'm not interested in that kind of power. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. Now, it's very unusual, like this phrasing, the way it should be translated is a paraphrase. Um, what he really said was the effect of like, that's your word, not mine. 
right? Like, hey, that's your word, not mine. Um, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. He says, listen, you called me a king. I'm here to bear witness to the truth. What truth is he bearing witness to? Well, first off, who God is, right? Like who the Father is. He says it over and over again. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the Father. I and the Father are one. The other truth that he's bearing witness to is um, his own obedience and eventual sacrifice for us. Like every one of us, um, because of our sinful nature, right? Every one of us has this part of us that's evil, right? Some of you are thinking like, well, that guy got an extra dose. Please don't point. Um, But in reality, when we think that, that's a part of us that is evil, thinking about other people trying to ignore our own bad. Got it? Um, the first promise made to like Adam by Satan, the temptation that made him fall, you will be like God. And every man in rebellion against God lives trying to be like God, trying to be their own God. I'll decide what's right and wrong in my life. I'll decide what's important. Folks should like look to me and, and worship me and bring me sandwiches and, and all of this stuff. Like There's this sideways perspective. And the truth that Jesus brings is, first off, God the Father is God. Um, and in obedience to the Father and humble like, like humiliation, um, Jesus demonstrates for us the way to the Father, which is through him, right? So Jesus dies for us on, on Good Friday, and he's resurrected on Easter. And because of that, like that death, he takes punishment for us, and that resurrection is proof that death is not the end, Right? Um, death is not the end of the story. Um, eternity exists and all people will one day be resurrected. And Jesus is the gateway for that. Um, and so he says, listen, I've come to bear witness to this. He says, the gospel is what I'm here for. You can say what you want. I'm here for that. Um, you guys can play your politics. This is what I'm about. You can pretend to have authority like Gentiles. I have authority because the Father has given me authority. Um, and ultimately, by the way, it's sort of an interesting thing. Um, authority only is granted in God's kingdom by the Father, right? So like as a husband, got this mark, pay attention. As a husband, the only way I have authority in my home is when I'm acting on the Father's behalf, which means I'm acting the way the Father wants. If I stop doing what the Father wants, I stop standing in his position and my authority disappears. Make sense? Like all authority in life is a reflection of God's will. And Jesus is carrying that truth in this submission in the trial, eventually in his execution um, and in his resurrection is this truth that authority like comes through submission, submission to God and submission to each other. Um, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And again, this is one of those ones where there's all this attempt over the years to turn this into this profound statement. Pilate is being sarcastic and he is really, um, what's the word, uh, um, cynical. Right? Well, what even is truth? Pilate doesn't care. Um, he turns around, he walks away. After he has said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Now, this is kind of an awkward thing because he knows they don't want that. Um, Pilate is taking opportunity to use his authority to screw with the guys in front of him. Got it? He's needling him a little. And he is kind of trying to give him, you know, like let him go because um, the Romans, like, 
even the ones that weren't very principled, like as Pilate wasn't very principled, were really superstitious. Got it? That's why if you defiled a temple, they'd kill you. Didn't matter where you were or what you were doing. If you defiled a temple, you would be executed. And you could be executed by anyone present. So Pilate is superstitious, and he looks at this, and he says, hey, I don't really want to kill this guy. I've got no reason to kill him, and so I'm not going to do it. And so he says, listen, hey, I could, give, I could let him go. You want your king back? Um, and of course they don't. They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Now, the word robber here actually means a person who uses violence to rob. But every instance we see of this in this period of history, it refers to a terrorist, right? Like, so the word technically means a guy who, like, strong-arm robs. But um, what Barabbas is probably guilty of, if you use the word for context historically, Barabbas was somebody who was a threat to the Roman Empire, he was a guy who, like, there were all sorts of things people did, right? Like, you had guys who'd walk around in big cloaks, and they'd carry little knives in their pockets, and they'd walk up to Romans in crowds and stab them and walk away. Um, you know, like, there are all sorts of things folks did. It was a very violent world, and Barabbas was probably somebody who was working to overthrow the empire. Um, it's kind of significant because Barabbas is the kind of king they want, isn't he? When they celebrated on Palm Sunday and waved the banners and said, oh, our conquering king is here, they wanted a fighter, right? They wanted a king of this world, not a king of God's world. They're looking at the world from the perspective of the here and now, not the, you know, God's perspective, the big picture perspective. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arranged him in a purple robe. So Pilate took him away and he had him whipped. There are three levels of flogging that you would see in the Roman Empire, right? This is the lightest version of it, okay, because of the word that's used. He was later flogged at the most severe version of it, right? People often didn't survive the most severe version because, like, um, because you would either bleed to death or they would take so much flesh away that you would not hold together any longer. Like, it was often fatal, right? This is a fairly superficial beating, and the reason he does it is Pilate's trying to let him go, and so he takes Jesus away and humiliates him, right? They make a crown of thorns. These were probably, um, I, I read, and I'm going to try and remember, I think they're date crowns or date thorns, like the date plants have big thorns on them, like 12 inches long, and they would have wrapped this thing up, and the thorns probably would have been sticking out in all directions, but probably making a point in the top, like as kind of a mockery of what like the art at the time would depict a god or a king, right? And they made this crown, and they jammed it on his head. The other gospels tell us that they put it on his head and took a stick and pounded it on. So head wounds bleed profusely, so he's probably very bloody at this point. They hung him up, they whipped him, and then they put a purple robe on him. It was probably a dark red robe, like a Roman soldier robe, which would have been especially humiliating for Jews because they did not like Romans and they really didn't like their soldiers. And so they put this robe on him and then they mock him. They came up to him saying, Hail the king of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to, him, said to them, Behold the man. Now this, like homo ecce, is what he would have said in Latin, right? And it, it, it's a mockery. Bring him out crowned 
with a robe. This is kind of interesting because what John is giving us is a coronation, right? Like this is literally Jesus' coronation as king. Um, and if, like in John's theme, this is Jesus' glory. This is the high moment. Um, why? Well, first off, Jesus could have stopped this, right? I mean, this is a man who, through him, all things were created literally at, at the word spoken. Meaning that, like, um, existence, like space, time, everything, didn't exist at one point, which physics supports, by the way. It's kind of an interesting thing. Ask me about it later. Um, and then God said, it's there. And it was suddenly there. Like, that's authority, right? I don't have the kind of authority to say, ham on rye, and have a ham on rye, right? But Jesus, you know, Satan says, it. well, look, you could command these stones to become bread, and they'd become bread, Right? I'm good at the other way. I can turn bread into stones, but not. Um, <laughs> but Jesus has that kind of authority. And because the Father sent him, sent him to be humiliated and to die for our sins, right? This is nearing the high point of his glory. And his coronation, he becomes a king at this moment. When we think of coronations, I'm sure we think of the Disney movies, right? Abby loves the princess movies. Um, I'm, some of y'all have seen them, right? I don't watch them because I have to. I watch them because they're always on. <laughs> um, I should sing Let It Go now. Anyway. <laughs> so he brings him out humiliated. And he's hailed to the king of the Jews. And they, they mock him and they spit on him and they hit him. And he brings him out and he presents him in this grand gesture. Behold, the man himself, the one you're afraid of. Why did he do that? Because he was trying to get them to back off, right? He brought him out and presented him humiliated because he was hoping to satiate their desire to humiliate him, to kill him, like, you know, by showing, look, this pathetic man is no threat to you, right? And that is, that is literally Pilate's effort. He's pathetic. He's weak. He is not a king. He's humiliated. He is done. Um. And it was at that moment that Jesus was, like, at the highest point, most glorified, most powerful, about to accomplish the mission he was sent to accomplish. And the Jews responded, you know what? We do not want him. Crucify him. Um, The Jews believed that if you were crucified, if you were hung from a tree or a piece of wood, that it was a sign that you were cursed by God that God hated you. They didn't want him humiliated. They wanted him dead in the worst way possible and publicly disgraced. And that's what he was going for. And so we see the coronation of a king, the same king that rode a donkey on Palm Sunday and demonstrated his humility and his lowness um, for us, for you. Each one of you individually here, every one of you, Jesus went through this for your sake. Um, This humiliation to demonstrate for us, first off, what it means to be the way God desires us to be. And secondly, to make atonement for us. Um, What do we do with this? Well, first off, as we come into Easter and all the flowers and eggs and, and everything else we do, don't lose sight of this, right? This is really about Jesus' glory, his lifting up for our sake. Um, this is literally like, like nothing is more important than that. Um, in our whole lives, you know, nothing is more important than this. We were 
like, like saved for this purpose. We are called to submit. Now, beyond that, we're called to imitate Christ in our lives. Okay? What do we do with that? Well, if we're going to stand with authority, it means you serve. Right? It means you love the way Jesus loved, even if it sometimes means you have to lower yourself. Um, it means that you look at folks around you and you say, you know, James here. James is somebody that Jesus was humiliated for. And I should love James the way that Jesus loved him because Jesus went through that for James. And he went through it for Mark. And Mark, when you're married, you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to look at your beautiful wife and you're going to think, I'm luckier than I deserve. And then the second thing you're going to think is, Jesus was humiliated and died for her. I need to serve her and love her the way he did. Um, we're saved because of it. We're brought out of the pit because of it. We're redeemed and washed and cleansed and made brand new, adopted as sons and daughters of God, princes and princesses in God's kingdom. Um, but to be a king in God's kingdom means, means things that you don't expect it to in this world, huh? My challenge to you this week as we go out, um, as, we, as we celebrate Easter, is to keep an eye on this. Bring this close into your heart. Um, Jesus died for you. Jesus was glorified in his humiliation because in his humiliation he saved you. Every one of you. On your worst day, still died for you. And serve each other. Love each other the way that he loved us. When it hurts, when it's embarrassing, when you don't want to do it, when your wife is driving you nuts, Mark, do it anyway. Let's close. And um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us this morning. I pray that you would just move in our hearts and help us to appreciate just the, the vast, the enormous um, gift that it was for your son to die for us for, for um, the one who was present before the creation of the world, the one who was worshipped and sung about and to by angels, the one who was um, just loved by the Father dearly, um, just the, the, the amazing blessing it is that, that he died for us, that he went through this for us, that he was humiliated and he was crowned with, with thorns and, and dressed in a soldier's uh, robe um, for us for our sake, for our forgiveness, for our grace. Um, Lord God, I pray that you would help us to change our eyes and our mind and our heart, that we would see glory and that we would see authority and that we would see um, just the world from the perspective that you hold, Lord, from the perspective of you know, love and, and, and from the perspective of um, um, serving in the model that Jesus provided. Um, all of these things I pray to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, stand up and we'll close with a blessing. May the God of grace, may the God of peace, may the King of glory, who rode this day into Jerusalem on a donkey and was crowned um, with thorns, may that God change your heart, your mind, and your life to reflect His. Um, and may he wash you clean and save you through the, through the amazing gift of Jesus. Amen.